0: Welcome to the We R S C podcast. This is Eric McKinney, uh, joined by Greg Katz. And uh, Greg, we've got fall camp here coming up. Um, kicks off Friday afternoon, uh, four o'clock, and they're gonna they're gonna get going here. I mean, it, it feels like it has been a long time uh, since we've seen some real football. I know, I know, you're excited to get back out there.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's enough of the predictions, enough of the speculations. Let's just see this team be put together here in training camp and then, uh, you know, get ready for the for the big schedule. It's going to be uh, interesting, to say the least, and exciting as well.
0: I think we have a ton of stuff to sort of uh, discuss and talk about and, and really see through fall camp. Um, but, but before we get there, we're going to look ahead. We still have another day uh, before we get going. And I wanted w- with you – to run through sort of position by position and and just to avoid going about six hours long on on this podcast, which I know we could do if we just started uh, talking about kind of expectations and and what we're looking for. Uh, When we go position by position, I think we'll each go sort of back and forth, give the, the one thing that we're looking for from that group. And again, this is just kind of for fall camp and we can maybe stretch it into the season a little bit, but, um, mostly focusing on just the few weeks uh, coming up here before the season gets going um, once they start kicking it off and, and get into pads a little bit. So we'll start right off the top, offense, quarterback, probably, you know, again, whenever there's a quarterback competition, you know, the position that's going to get the most attention from the media, uh, the, the, the most stories written about it, the most words dedicated to it. So for you uh, at the quarterbacks, w- what is something that you're looking for from fall camp?
1: Well, I think the overall view is um, I want to see that the competition is competition, that it's fair. Now, that may sound like, do I think it's rigged? Well, you know, a lot of speculation is JT Daniels already has the job or has a, has a big lead. I mean, JT's on all the watch lists already. Uh, and doesn't mention the other competitors. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch how the coaches handle the situation. Uh, the good news for, uh, for our listeners and for WeAreSC.com fans is that uh, the media will be allowed, you know, in the first uh, eight to 10 training camp uh, shots. And then there'll be an open scrimmage there on the uh, 17th in the Coliseum that fans can come see. So, what I'm looking for in the competition is to see that it's, it's running away. And I think it will be uh, uh, fair that everybody gets their reps. But the real bottom line would be uh, will the competition play out differently in the eyes of a coaching staff or in the eyes of, uh, of um, Clay Helton or uh, Graham Harrell? Uh, and how does it play out in front of the team? You know, are they, are you going to get a consensus that everybody's on the same page when they finally make the decision? I I hope so.
0: I think for me, I, I again I'm looking forward to the competition. I, I'm interested to see how long it goes. Uh, I know that the coaches have said, you know, maybe a couple weeks, so that when they name the starter, they can get at least a couple weeks. Uh, offensive coordinator Graham Harrell has also said, once it becomes obvious, we'll we'll make that decision. So is that you know two days and it's obvious or or is this something where it's you know that it's sort of predetermined we're going to let it go the couple weeks and, and then make the call but for for me that is the most interesting thing because honestly with what we saw in the spring uh you know we've seen a, a little bit of them kind of throwing the ball around uh in the summer but and then what you know of the quarterbacks JT Daniels jack sears matt fink honestly i think they can all run this offense i think that graham harrell has such a handle of how to teach it what the quarterback needs to look for how the quarterback needs to operate I, uh, honestly i don't really have any doubts about anyone stepping in there and, and doing it um and potentially you know what you get from your uh number one guy is you know A couple percent more than than maybe what you get for from your number two guy but I want to see a decision made and and a decision made I I would love to see it sooner rather than later because I do think and what Graham Harrell has said is getting repetitions in this offense Uh, I think that there's been a lot of uncertainty um, with this team and I think and I mean with this team over the last you know year to year and a half. Uh I I think getting a quarterback in place, saying this is the guy, letting him rally the team, the team rally around him. I think that's important to carry this cuz you do have this feeling of some momentum coming through the spring, through the summer. And again, it's as much momentum as you can build up coming off a 5-1 season, but but these guys you can feel they want to get out there, they want to go start hitting someone and soon that'll turn into, they want to go start hitting somebody else. Uh, And I I think it does a disservice. And I I think we saw it last year when you let the quarterback competition carry out for too long. And I know the coaches are certainly aware that they've mentioned it a few times. Uh, I mean, I, I'd love to get the starter in there even before, you know, just those two weeks to prep. Like I said, just so everyone knows where things are going But like I said, I I think that these three guys, and maybe it's you know, I I think the belief is that Daniels and Sears are are the two that are going to kind of keep things close as it goes through. I I think they have a chance to make it really difficult, but I I think it's in the coach's best interest, and I think they know that to get a decision made and to go with that. But but I think overall, it's it's the quarterback. competition that position certainly for the first two weeks is going to get uh just a ton of attention
1: well what i would hope is that after the coliseum showcase or whatever they're calling it uh competition scrimmage uh that they make the decision after that game so there's two weeks of knowing who the starting quarterback will be there seems to be some mixed reports that um you know, originally, I think at the end of spring, Graham said he'd like to find out, you know, sooner rather than later, echoing your thoughts. And then I hear Helton sound as though it's going to be take a little longer than that. Uh, I, I don't think it should take longer than that. I think that uh, after that second scrimmage, if, if, the, if the Coliseum uh, showcase is the second scrimmage, they'll have a good idea and so will the team.
0: And I think that's kind of the key is to let everybody buy in and let everybody get going with that. So dropping back behind the quarterbacks, we've we've got the running backs. um, And this is a group where and we're I mean, I'm going to say this about maybe every position uh, on the roster. You have got some serious talent uh, up at the top. And then it just not do, doesn't drop off in terms of talent. There just aren't a ton of bodies. You know, it, it's not going, you know, for uh, you know veterans deep uh, at this point. But at, at the top, you've got Vavai Malapai, uh, Stephen Carr, and then the little bit we saw from Marquis Step last season, and then the the ton that we saw from him in the spring, uh, and then the the new. Uh freshman coming in, Keenan Christen. For me, at the running back spot, I, I want to watch Marquis Step a little bit more. I I love uh Carr. I love Malpea. I think those two guys are gonna have phenomenal seasons. But Marquis Step does something to you when you watch him play. He he is that sort of old school throwback guy. I mean, when when you watch him get through the hole, I can't even imagine what the view is from a safety trying to come up and tackle him. He runs so low to the ground. He is knees and pads. And, I mean, there was a run that still sticks out in my mind from the spring where his whole body was two, three inches off the ground, and he is still moving forward. I think he has a chance to be really special. Again, I'm not going to just immediately launch him over those two Veteran returners, because those two are extremely talented and they fit this offense really well. But I, I want to watch if Marquis Step can keep going this fall based on what we saw this past spring.
1: Well, I think it's a very interesting conundrum because when you look at the offense and you look at what's expected of the running backs, not only should they be good runners, explosive would be nice, but they also have to pass catch. Uh, and when you look at that, Uh, It's pretty much an agreement that uh, Malapai is a a good all-around back, uh, probably at least a B-level in every area, including blocking. Uh, You know, I think there's some questions about Stephen Carr, whether, you know, he's going to reach his potential. Uh, I think we all know he's got a lot of potential. Uh, But again, is he going to be able to be the all-around guy that can pass block? I think the real interesting ones uh, are, are the one that you mentioned, certainly uh, in Marquis' uh, step, because he's kind of a throwback to the old SC tailbacks. Big, strong, physical. Now, he might not be the pass catcher that the other two are. How is that going to affect his playing time in the bigger picture? Uh, you know, he might sit there and end up altering the offense a little bit, because he's so good at running the ball that they'll say, well, you know, he doesn't have to always catch the ball. He's so good at running, he presents this as a bigger threat. I think the one I'm most curious about would be uh, the, the true freshman, uh, Christian. Uh, I think that uh, he has speed, and I've watched him. I saw a film of him. There's no denying he, he's got top-end speed. Now, do I expect a true freshman to come in and beat the other three out? No. But he's the intriguing one to me. Uh, and it's going to be an interesting way the offense develops based on the skill set of all the running backs. All right. Sticking with
0: offense, we're going to go to wide receiver. I'll, I'll let you kick off the, uh, the wide receiver discussion.
1: Well, we all know that the wide receivers. I mean, it seems like uh, Pittman, uh, uh, St. Brown, and Vaughns have been there forever and a day. Uh, I think they're really going to be uh, obviously one of the keys to success on the offense. Uh, You know, I, I look at it this way, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I know that SC really likes to pass the ball and we won't get too much in the offensive line because we'll do that next. What happens when, uh, well, let's just say that JT is the quarterback and they start playing press defense and they roll up the corners and they, you know, they basically say, pass it. And it's supposed to be a quick offense. And how much pressure does that put on the quarterback if he has no one to throw it to? You know, I'm sure the adjustment will be then I guess you've got to run. But I think the talent level is, is elite. I think all those three guys that I mentioned are NFL potential players. Uh, I like – I think the, the uh, ace in the hole is uh, Devin Williams, who's like uh, – gives every indication that he's got, he's got Mike Williams, you know, uh, potential. Uh, you know, you look at some of the others that there, I think the, you know, John Jackson the third may play a bigger part. Uh everyone can say that they're excited that Vellis Jones is back. The question is, how do they reassimilate Vellis Jones onto the mix in terms of, you know, if they go to a four down set based on the fact that he was in the, you know, transfer portal and all that. Uh I'm glad I don't have to make that decision uh from a political standpoint. But obviously, uh, the receivers are elite, and they're definitely one of the major strengths of the offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it's maybe in terms of again talking about that the top talent, the, those frontline guys. You know, maybe the most talent uh, on in terms of a position on this roster. But I, I think those guys—Pittman, St. Brown, Vaughn's—those those guys are such givens in terms of. Uh, what they're going to do. And and if I can cheat and grab two things, the one guy I want to watch in this offense, once he really gets going is Amon Ross St. Brown, because the offense is sort of designed for no receiver to be able to be shut down because every sort of everything that the defense does, you have kind of a a counter to it in every play. And, And he's the kind of player where he, I mean, he—he's so smart, and then to go with that, you know, shiftiness, and then the pure speed and the fluidity, and what he can do with the ball after the catch—I I just, I think he has a chance uh, to be phenomenal. And I, and I want to see sort of what he does this fall to get ready for the season because he's so. I mean, I, I think, um, I think I saw Michael Pittman referred to him as a machine. I mean, he—he's so. Uh, Beyond sort of his age and the fact that he's just a true sophomore right now, I think it's fair to expect a lot from him. But speaking of young kids, for me, what I want to see is this is this freshman group um, that that's coming in right now: Meneer McLean, Brew McCoy, Drake London, Kyle Ford, and then again, I'm going to cheat a little bit and include John Jackson in this because he came in this past spring, and, and I've already been kind of blown away with with what he was able to do and then his potential uh moving forward too but because the this offense you need your receivers to run so many routes and, and keep this thing going at a at a quick pace that just those three guys and four guys that you mentioned including devin williams they're not going to take you through the entire season some other guys are going to need to step up there's so much talent there it would probably be foolish to expect all five of those guys to come in and and play right away and show that they can, you know, hang with some of those top guys. But I just, you know, looking through that list, it's, it's tough to find a guy that I think maybe won't be able to do that. I mean, I I think there's so much expected of all of these guys, especially, you know, if, if uh, Kyle Ford, obviously coming back from some injury issues, but, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where those guys fall in line in the depth chart and how much actually we can maybe expect from them this season. Because, again, just having those those front four guys, front five guys um, now with, like you mentioned, Bayless Jones back, that, that's not going to do it for the whole season. So, no, I don't expect a true freshman to go out and catch 40 or 50 passes this year. But I do expect them to need – to at least a few of them, to get into the rotation to help out a little bit. And, again, that starts right here on, on Friday.
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, if the offense is as simple as Graham Harrell says it is, sure he say it is, then I have less concern that these young receivers, it'll take them a long time to learn it. I don't think it's going to take a long time to learn it. After all, I mean, in spring ball they had 15 – Practices and they weren't day after day after day after day. And I figured, okay, so if they, they're they going to have what, almost three and a half weeks to, to learn it, and it'll be practices that are like four days in a row. Uh, I think it's going to get down to who can catch the ball. And I think it's going to get down to who can get off the line of scrimmage if they play bump and run. And more importantly, I think it's going to be uh, who can stay healthy. Because obviously, if you pass the ball a lot, you're going to get hit a lot. But I I think the receivers will be brought along, maybe uh, quicker than than most people think, uh, to help these uh, frontline players. uh, You know, give them a rest, or they get banged up to give them a you know a little bit of a break there. And and I think
0: seven on seven has done so much for young wide receivers. I mean, these guys coming in now, they've run as many routes, they've caught as many balls as a lot of guys going to the NFL, you know, 15, 20, 10, maybe 10, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, they, they are constantly going and you hear that from coaches all the time, just sort of amazed at where their wide receivers uh, and, and safeties linebackers, all of that sort of get a boost from that. But there's some amazement from coaches at how developed guys are and, and how many uh, either either defenses, defensive formations, offensive formations, route combinations, all of that stuff, how much they've seen going forward. So I know seven on seven in a, in a lot of ways sort of takes a bad rap. Um, but in terms of getting guys ready, in terms of getting guys repetitions, uh, it, it helps guys out a lot. And I think these wide receivers are, are ready to come in. And when you bring in that many of them, you know you're going to get at least a few early hits and speaking of bringing in a couple guys we can go to tight end two true freshmen coming in at tight end jude wolf we've seen already a little bit he was here in the spring ethan ray about to show up those i mean clearly the top two uh tight ends uh, in in the west region uh in this last class to get them both was was terrific but for me i want to watch this fall josh Follow to see where he is in terms of being a weapon in this offense. Uh, Back at North Texas, Graham Harrell had a tight end that he liked to use kind of all over the place. He would, he'd block, he'd catch, he'd line up uh, in the backfield on the line, split out a little bit. I think Josh follow gives you that position versatility. um, And I'm interested again, hopefully can stay healthy uh, for the entire fall camp, but I'm interested to see what they do with him. You you lost, you know, a, a great tight end in Daniel Amaterbebe, uh, not on the roster anymore. You need somebody to step up because the tight end has just been sort of this, you know, almost position with, with USC the past few years where you'd see little hints of it and then it sort of goes away. So to get a constant presence there, especially in an offense where I think when you're defending it, you can lose sight of the tight end a little bit because – there's so much going on with, with receivers and running backs out of the backfield and, and all of that. Uh, you, you can get a tight end going a little bit in this offense. So he's the, the one guy that I want to see. I want to see where his development is this fall.
1: Well, you know what I'd like? I like the fact that, as you said, um, Harrell had throws to the tight end. And how many years in a row have we all complained? Would you throw it to the tight end? Well, I think at this point they have tight ends, what I especially like about the true freshmen is the programs they're coming from. Uh, let's use uh, Wolf as the uh, example one. Now, he's coming from St. John Bosco. And who does he have as his quarterback for the last couple of years? DJ, right? Yeah. And DJ's going to Clemson. And DJ throws them all over the place. And, you know, you have to also like uh, the other tight end uh, because he's coming from Orange Lutheran and they throw the ball around. And, of course, you know, Kyle Ford was part of that aerial express. So in terms of these guys knowing how to catch the ball, coming from elite programs that use their tight ends, I, I think it's very exciting, personally.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you add a couple guys to that tight end spot. Now you've got four air, Krohmanhoek, uh, hook the, the one that we didn't mention there. But I, I think that's a – Solid group. Again, health is going to be, you know, as it always is at every position uh, on the roster, Uh, health's going to be interesting to monitor there, but I think it's a a good group and I think it gives you a lot of options there. Um, And and then sticking, rounding out the offense, we're going to move to the offensive line. And I'm guessing we could uh, carve out about an hour and a half just talking about, you know, what we want to see or or any anything relating to the offensive line. but for, for me, I think, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant. I don't want to go with the obvious uh, or what I feel is the obvious and, and that right tackle spot with, you know, Drew Richmond probably coming in and, and battling Jalen McKenzie and having a real battle there. For me, I want to watch the, the two guard spots. I, I want to watch Elijah Vera Tucker, who's going to slot in at left guard, was there all spring, and then Andrew Voorhees, Uh, Was slotted in a right guard. Again, they're all spring. I I believe he was out for for one practice. But those were the two guys that went at the two guard spots. I think having guards that just give you sort of a a physical presence. Again, I know everybody loves offensive tackles, and we saw, you know, we've seen certainly a a few times now over the last maybe decade or so how important having a center is um, to an offense. But I I love guards that can sort of get out there and just, you know, dominate things. Um, I think there have been talented guards at USC the last few years, but I don't know if there's anyone that, you know, you're throwing up there with some of the the old time offensive guards. So those are the two things are the the two spots I want to watch. And again, I'd love to see a few other guys sort of step up and and push those two starters Um, because I think, and again, in this offense, the way you're running, you need that push up the middle uh, to create some space for, for some cutbacks and for running backs to operate. So, again, a, a ton of stuff uh, that needs to be covered with the offensive line. But for me, that that's kind of intriguing to me what, to watch those two guard spots.
1: Well, I do have to echo your statements on the guards. I, too, look at the guards because they're the dirty work guys. They, they, they're the ones that are going to be there. Now, a couple of thoughts on it. I think SC will have a better offensive line because I they think they're gonna have a better center. And that's not to take anything from away from Toa Lobodon. He was out of position. He was so worried about making a snap that could go back to the quarterback that he's probably a split second short on getting to his blocks because he's concentrating. We saw saw what happened in the Cal game. It was the biggest example of the inconsistency of the snaps. You have a guy in Brett Neilan who's a real technician. This guy and nail the snap almost every time. And remember, he's uh, he's got playing experience. Um, you know, it, it's going to be uh, fascinating to me because I think that he makes he could make that much of a difference. Now, I think the offensive line is going to be interesting to watch because I want to see the effect of Aaron Osmus and his weight program. Uh, and although they haven't been in it that long, I want to see how much more physical. I know everybody's sick and tired. Averting, hearing the word physicality, but it is important even in the air raid. The blind will be better because they'll also not have to hold their blocks as long because if it's truly take a snap, you got 2.5 seconds to get it off. That's not asking a lot of the offensive line to, uh, you know, to pass block. The key will be, how are they when they're run blocking? Maybe the pass will set up the run. You know, we all hope so. Uh and what happens when the you know when when teams say okay we're going to jam your receivers and then we're going to really come at you, you know that's when you have to wonder can the offensive line if they if the quarterback doesn't get it off in 2.5 seconds, do they have the ability to to hold their spots, and if Jat is the quarterback less mobility, uh, how is it all going to work out? I know one thing, it's going to be interesting and this offensive line is going to be tested all throughout training camp. Because uh, and I know that we're probably going to be moving on to the defense here in a moment. Uh, but the defensive line of SC should, should give us an idea of where the offensive line is, probably within the uh, second week of practice.
0: Yeah, let's, let's flip right into the defensive line. Um, well, why don't you go ahead and, and kick things off, what you're looking for from the defensive line.
1: Well, I'm looking at the continued advancement uh, that Coach K, because I really can't pronounce his last name all that well. Uh, there's a different philosophy attacking a, a defense. I think it's great for the defensive linemen. Uh, let's face it. I don't think in from an interior standpoint, uh, physicality, Essie's uh, as good as anybody in the conference. I mean, Tefeli is going to be an all-conference first-team defensive tackle. He's a man. He's a future NFL player. Marlon Tupoloto, I think, maybe was trying to round into shape after he was out there uh, because of injury. You know, last year he came back. I I really expect big things. I think in those two guys, you got it's very physical. I think Rector could be a real leader out there. I think he's good. Uh, We're going to see, I think, uh, the, the intrigue is can they control the line of scrimmage not just against SC's offensive line, but anybody's offensive line, and they will be tested. But I, I like the group. I like the coaching philosophy. Uh, obviously, the players have bought into it. And keep an eye on out for uh, you know, obviously Brandon Peely has got experience in in the interior. And one player, actually, we've been all been waiting to see if he could find a position. But Connor Murphy, you know, redshirt junior he Has got some big-time size, big-time genes, and you know, coaching change could make a difference in how this guy performs. But I, I think all in all, uh, what I'm looking for is the this defensive line to con- control the game.
0: That that's pretty much right in line with what I was going to say. And Coach Chad Calhaa, uh, uh, I think he maybe in terms of looking at all of the new coaches. I think he absolutely has a chance and and I'm gonna take Graham Harrell out of it because that the offense is, you know, just a, a totally different language this year to last year comparing those two. But I think he maybe has the the, the biggest chance to make a sizable impression uh, in terms of what you saw, the the product that you know the the defensive line was last year compared to what to expect this year. And and I think these guys have bought in and I love that you heard so much about, uh, we need to play up the field. We, we need to play um, across the line and get in the backfield. And it really gave those guys you mentioned, Brandon Peely, J. Tufelli, Marlon Tui-Peloto, the guys in the middle, it gave them a sense of what they need to do and the attitude that they need to have. And they really turned in to vocal leaders for that defense. And they need, I think they need to be that. I think looking at those three guys, and as I'm saying this, I can't believe neither one of us is going to mention Drake Jackson along the defensive line as a guy to watch because he was phenomenal this spring. But I think those three guys sort of set the tone maybe for the entire defense. Um, And I think that they really got a sense this spring of what they can do. And again, it's tough. During fall camp, you know, okay, the defensive line's playing well. Well, does that mean that they're great or that the offense, you know, can't do anything or, or vice versa if it's going the other way? But from those three, I, I'm going to watch and I would love to see. And it's really continuing from the spring. I don't think they need to do anything new that they weren't doing in the spring. But setting the tone uh, physically and then also vocally from, from a leadership standpoint, I think those uh, three guys in the middle – play a big role this season, and I'd I'd love to, you know, see that continue going this fall.
1: I think think it's really critical, and we will get to the secondary here in a few minutes, but when you have a young secondary, they're going to rely on those front guys on the defensive line. You know, you can call it the front seven if you want. I'll call it the front four. Uh, They're going to need to put pressure on that quarterback to take pressure off that secondary while that inexperienced secondary uh, learns. Uh, you know, you they're really going to be tested when they when uh, you know, with Stanford. Stanford's going to have a powerful offensive line again. They've got a lot of good players coming back. You know, we may see some. You know, in Fresno State, they only have two offensive returners from a championship team. But we're going to find out against Stanford whether this defensive line can not only hold the point of attack or disrupt the powerful offensive line, but at the same time rush the passer and allow the secondary to kind of learn through the baptism of fire. Sure. So dropping
0: back a level, going to the linebackers, for me, it is the outside linebacker spot. Hunter Echols, Elijah Winston, Malik McLean. those were the three guys. They all sort of were were together together. separated from the other linebackers a lot during the spring they got to find something out of that spot I mean I, I know that the the answer if you don't do that is probably just throw four defensive linemen out there and, and knock off the, that outside linebacker but it, it's it's been too long since you've seen what Uchenna did his senior year and, and and I know that's very recent but you need to get back to that like that that was and and it's probably unfair to ask one of these young guys to be uchenna nwosu because he was so good that year but they need to find something there i I don't think I, i think you saw flashes from each guy this spring but maybe not enough consistency i think getting this summer under their belts and and going through spring ball i think this fall camp uh those guys can be ready to go and i want to see that step forward because, like I said, you, you can't roll that spot out there and get very little from it like I think maybe USC got last year.
1: Well, I'm, I'm concerned about the outside linebackers, and I'll tell you why. Um, I'm going to watch first the inside. You know, John Houston, to me, is not an inside linebacker. He's an outside linebacker. But they're playing him on the inside. You know, they say he's big enough and he's strong enough, and hopefully he is. And then you've got, uh, you know, uh, please help me with the name, Pali. K- uh, uh,
0: yeah.
1: You know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. talking about IA, AI. Uh, you know, he could easily be an outside edge rusher too. Uh, but he's on the inside. So, you know, they want to make sure that they're solid on the inside. But those outside linebackers, you know, know, sepha uh, you know, obviously, is uh, you know somebody that they're going to look at, um, and I, I just, I just wonder if they, you know, they they tightened up the inside. Uh, when you look at the teams that SC is going to play, of course, Notre Dame is going to, you know, they're going to test you inside. Stanford is going to test you inside. Utah is going to test you inside. I get that, but some of these elite teams can also get to the outside. You know, the conference is full of outstanding running backs. Uh, you know, you know Benjamin is, you know, one that comes to mind. Zach Moss from Utah. These guys are really good. And they could get you going on a string. And the quarterbacks of some of these teams are really good, too. So my concern is the outside linebackers. And um, I don't know whether the outside linebackers we see in the first part of the season will be the same outside linebackers in the second part of the season it will be interesting
0: yeah i mean i'm not as worried about that that flip of of houston and and and, now ea um you know they're both still in the middle they're they're you know within the the defensive line um so it's not as if ea is you know out on the sideline or anything like that the the thing that i'm going to go by sort of what they say about it is that the idea is to get those two seniors, John Houston and then Jordan Oseffa, behind him, or you know, still still battling for that starting spot at middle linebacker, to allow them to call the plays, so that a guy like EA can just go play. He doesn't have to worry about setting anybody up or making calls or anything. It's just you let him loose a little bit, which I think is is probably where he's at his best. So that's something that I'm. I, I don't have a ton of concerns about. Obviously, again, looking way down the line, if Stanford comes in and runs it, runs it up the middle on you for 260 yards uh, in that game, then there's something to talk about. But I, I think that's going to be an interesting flip, and I think, it, I think maybe it puts people where they're most comfortable playing, uh, w- which is obviously a good thing for any defense. Well,
1: one player I'm going to keep an eye on because I know that they've played him in the middle and they played him on the outside, is uh, the sophomore, Knaimaga. I think he's a great football player, and I think he has to be on the field. And I think that uh, he, he could end up inside or outside. I know right now they have him as outside. Uh, and he's the one to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, also another player that we all know came out of high school with a tremendous amount of publicity was the Butkus High School award winner. Uh, Solomon uh, uh you know, we, he showed some real signs of being an outstanding player in the first three or four practices, and they shut him down because of injury. If he comes back and he's healthy, that would make a big difference on the inside too. Uh, he doesn't obviously have the experience of either one of the guys that's going to be starting on defense, but if he could ease it in, it'd be very interesting and in how they decide to. Uh,
0: rotate their linebackers yeah I'm with you on solo that it's it's one of those things where you look at those middle the guys they have in the middle right now and there's five of them and then Raylan Goforth was look look very good this spring too but it's not crazy to think if solo is fully healthy he could leap a lot of those guys and get in there I mean that that's how talented he is and that's like you mentioned that's how well he was playing in those few practices where he was healthy this spring so I think he's definitely got to keep an eye on. But dropping back a little bit, we'll, we'll go into the defensive backs right now. Uh, again, why why don't you kick us off? What are you looking for? And, and we'll lump safeties and corners in together here.
1: Well, I'm not I'm not concerned about the talent level. I am concerned about the experience level. And uh, you know, SC is playing such uh, should we say well coached, prolific offensive teams uh, that. It goes back to where we started on defense. If the front four, okay, or the front seven can control it a little bit and help these uh, young kids out, I mean, obviously, there's, you know, there's talent. I mean, you have to, you have to like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Talanoa Hufanga. You know, everyone believes that he's going to be an all-star player. And uh, then you have, you know, uh, uh, Palomao. Uh, these are two safeties that are coming off of injuries. And the thing that about Kupanga is he's coming off the same injury twice. And you wonder, is that going to be an issue? Uh, I think that, um, you know, it's a unit that has to learn how to play quickly. One thing I know, that when they play Fresno State, Jeff Tedford's the head coach. He's really a good coach. And they've been in Jeff Tedford's system for a while now, and they've been successful you know, I think that Tedford will go right after that secondary and uh, it'll be a real test. And we all know that when they when we play Stanford with K.J. Costello and NFL prospect back there, uh, is it too early for this secondary to go against a Stanford type of offense, which has both running and passing? But I think in, in terms of talent, I think there there's a lot of talent there, but they're going to have to learn how to – really communicate. The good news, in my opinion, is that Greg Burns is the defensive secondary coach and he's a, a really an improvement uh, as a coach. He knows what he's doing. The players seem to be very receptive to him. And yes, I do believe a coach really makes a difference.
0: Yeah, I, going in, looking at the secondary, there there are so many questions for the secondary and they all start with, like you mentioned, the experience. I mean, there, there is just... I think I think the most experienced guy has like fifteen appearances or something and and you're looking at, you know, this being a year after you had a secondary last year where there's guys with, you know, 30, you know, multiple guys, 30, 35 games played and it just absolutely that number the, the combined games just dwarfs uh what, what you're seeing from this this group right here. But for me, I it's it's that safety duo. Um Uh, It it was so – and they started the spring in yellow jerseys, uh, Talanoa and and Isaiah Polman. Watching them play together, how they interacted, how they really stepped up uh, their leadership in terms of being vocal with everybody, that's something that they're going to need. They both play sort of beyond their experience, and I think that is going to be a a huge asset for Greg Burns and, and defensive back GA Chris Hawkins. Having those two guys on the field, it, it kind of gives you a, a couple extra coaches. And when you don't have the experience, that can make all the difference. Like you mentioned, can they stay healthy? I mean, I, I think, you know, I admit maybe you manage a little bit through fall camp um, with those two guys just because you have C.J. Pollard back there who could probably play both spots. We didn't get a chance to see him in the spring. But after that, it's, it's a whole lot of freshmen and walk-ons um after that group i know you know maybe chase williams can get pulled back into safety maybe you have a few guys you know a few things that you can do but uh those are two guys i think that that you know maybe make or break the season in terms of if they can go the whole way through this year um but but during the spring they were just sort of a a joy to watch how they like i said how they communicated really how they played both of them in yellow jerseys still being really physical and bringing sort of a mentality that you want to see to the defensive back. So those are two guys. I know there's a ton of freshmen. Chris Steele, at cornerback, how he can fit in. Again, if he gets you know that waiver to play right away, he's probably a guy that gets called upon. Max Williams, another true freshman. He's coming back from injury. He's a guy who's definitely talented enough to play early. Can he fill in a little bit? And then getting Elijah Griffin back, I think he's probably, you know, probably a no-brainer starter at corner, but getting him back into action a little bit and seeing how he does uh, this fall, just just a ton of you know, wait and sees and, and kind of questions uh, for, for the defensive backfield going into fall camp.
1: Well, one of the guys I think that I'm really kind of excited for is Chris Hawkins, graduate assistant you know, helping Burns. I, I think Hawkins will Will really help. Uh, you know, I always felt that when he played at FC and in my time of interviewing him, he was like a coach on the field. And uh, you know, even his senior, I thought he had a great senior year. Uh, and I said to myself, you know, if this guy doesn't, you know, if the NFL isn't where he will be, that he should come back to coaching. And I, I, I hope that uh, it's a successful experience for him because I think he's really going to help Burns. And uh, I think that's a good sign. But, you know, when you have the, and it's a secondary that's that inexperienced, you know, you're know, you asking him to get ready to play in front of, you know, 80,000, 70,000, television, all these sort of things. And it's like it's overwhelming. So I hope against Fresno State they'll really grow up. They always say from the first game to the second game, you know, teams improve uh, dramatically. And, uh, you know, I know I'll be rooting for them. you know that they can uh, you know play to their ability i expect there's going to be times when there's going to be some you know blown coverages but hey you could have a group of seniors that could have a blown coverage but they are talented and and hopefully uh they'll mature sooner rather than later
0: absolutely all right well we don't have uh too long to wait to get out there anymore obviously you and i will be out there every chance we get this fall fall camp starting uh friday Be sure to stick around to WeRSC. We'll have, we'll have uh, podcasts. We'll have practice reports. We'll have everything to, to help you get through fall camp as we, we prepare for the 2019 season. So for Greg Katz, this is Eric
1: McKinney. Thanks for listening to the WeRSC podcast.